Today, we're going to talk about hiring because I'm really, really bad at it. I actually haven't met that many people who are good at it, and it continues to confound me. Now, when I talk about hiring, I'm not talking about that full-time employee that you have to vet and give benefits to. I don't mean the whole kit and caboodle. I mean every type of hiring. Hiring an intern, hiring a virtual assistant, hiring a contractor to do a short-term project. There are so many things that can go wrong when you're making a decision about bringing someone into your business. I'm going to walk you through an amazing story, and by amazing, I mean devastating, about somebody that I brought on board to the Founding Moms who essentially halted any progress that we made for an entire year. Welcome back to Why Are We Shouting with me, Jill Salzman, here to help entrepreneurs get down to business. I want to talk to you about small business blunders, ways that entrepreneurs shine, and valuable lessons about growing your biz. This week, I want to make sure you understand how wrong hiring can go. Oh my God! It went real wrong for me, and I never would have predicted it with all of my years in entrepreneurship. I don't want you to make the same mistake that I did. Several years ago, I got an email from a woman named Rebecca. She lived in Utah, and she'd been following the Founding Moms for some time. She loved what she saw, and it inspired her some years previously to launch her own women in business group in Utah, where she lived. She wrote to me because she wanted me to come out there for their annual conference and speak to her 80-some members about how to be inspired, how to do better, how to grow as an entrepreneur. And since that's what I did for a living, I thought, of course, I'm coming out there. They booked my flights. They put me up in a hotel. From the moment that I landed at the airport in Utah until the moment that I left, I spent almost every waking moment with this Rebecca. She was a bit of a fangirl. It got a little bit uncomfortable at times. But she was great company, and she walked me through how she had built the business, what she had learned from the founding moms, and how she had applied it to grow it not only in the city we were in, but in several cities around her. By the end of the weekend, right before I left, she sat me down and she said to me, Jill, I want to come work for you. What you have is a really big, strong brand, and what I have is a pretty strong workhorse work ethic where if we partnered, I'd roll my organization into yours, hand to you 80-plus new members of the Founding Moms, and I would work with you to grow your founding exchanges, which is what we call our twice-monthly masterminds, into all sorts of cities around the globe. Very nice. Now, I've got to tell you, when you get an offer like that, if ever you do, it feels really good. That should have been my first red flag. When somebody who is promising to work with you goes over, above, and beyond to tell you just how much they love you, how much they believe in you, and how much they think they can do for you, it's a stroking of the ego. There's literally nothing more to it because they don't really know you very well. They haven't worked with you in your business. So when somebody presents themselves like Rebecca did to me, I was an idiot. I took it from Rebecca. I didn't take it from her. I reveled in it. I loved what she told me. I was flattered beyond flattered. I've never, ever 
before or since gotten an offer like that, an open offer for somebody to just give up what they were doing for a living and come and work with me. So right there, I thought, hmm, this sounds almost too good to be true. I told her I would think about it. I got back to Chicago and it opened up a little opportunity for me. I thought, well, why don't I reach out to people who are local and see if anybody wants to work with me? Because if Rebecca was interested, surely other people would be interested. So I did. I put up some ads. I chatted with some friends. I posted it on the socials. And I said, if you're interested in expanding our offline community in different cities everywhere, please apply. I didn't hear from that many people and from the people whom I did. I really didn't take them very seriously because they didn't have the enthusiasm that Rebecca did. So I called Rebecca and I said, you know what? Let's talk more about this before I dive in. I thought I was being a smart cookie by doing some, we're going to put it in air quotes, vetting. We started to have weekly calls and she would share with me what she was doing to grow her meetups in several cities all over Utah. I would explain to her how we ran our founding exchanges, what we were doing to date, and how we were looking to launch new cities. Slowly but surely, week after week, we got to know each other. And then she started throwing in red flag number two. She would explain to me that, Jill, no matter what happens, no matter what we agree to do with one another, I need to make sure that there is going to be a substantial monetary reward for my work. She would really need to see some money coming in because she was literally giving up her career and letting the founding mom swallow it whole. So if she was going to be left high and dry, it wouldn't be a long-term commitment that she'd want to make. Why was that a red flag? Because she was putting the onus on me to make sure that she was being paid. That would seem like something normal. Somebody wants to make sure, hey, you're going to hire me. I want to get paid. She wanted to make sure that she would be paid handsomely. And it was my job to make sure that I not only heard her, but that I assured her that I would be able to make that happen. When in fact, really, that was up to her. She pressed me on that issue week after week, and I found that I got sucked in like the sucker that I was. I got sucked in to reassuring her, of course, we're going to make that happen. Don't you worry. We're going to take care of that so that there's no question you'll be getting a ton of income. We ended up signing some paperwork that said that we were now a partnership. She had assured me that everyone in her organization was extremely excited to become a member of the Founding Moms. And I got to tell you, as a boss, it is such an exhilarating moment when you sign a piece of paper and all of a sudden 80 plus women are suddenly members of your organization. It feels like a little tiny moment of overnight success that's not actually real. So we continued to have our weekly calls because that was the only way we could do it. She wasn't in, in Chicago. I wasn't in Utah. She would continue to tell me her plans, what was going on. And about eight weeks in, I started seeing that third red flag waving in the distance because she would talk and talk and talk on the phone. She would tell me things she was working on. She would tell me promising things that were to come. She would assure me that she was working hard, talking to people, doing all of the right things. I would thank her, we would hang up, and I would continue to build all of the other parts of the Founding Moms because that big arm of our organization was now left in her hands. The third red flag I'm talking about 
It was the one where all I did was hear words and I never saw any work product. I never saw any results. Did we launch any new cities? No. Did I continue to think because of all the words she used that they were coming? Yes. It took me eight months to ask her for proof because that's how much I trusted her word. That's how much I trusted who she is. That's how much I trusted her enthusiasm. It actually felt horrible to have to ask her for proof. It made me feel like a bad person for second guessing what she had told me she was doing for that long. And I know that a lot of you listening are going to go, well, Jill, it shouldn't have taken you that long. Why would it take any boss eight months to figure out that someone wasn't doing what they said that they were doing? But that is how trusting a lot of us entrepreneurs are, especially those of us who run smaller companies. I don't have 20 employees working under me, so I'm very busy with other areas of the business. And if after many, many weeks of negotiations, I've decided to hand off a part of my company to somebody else, you can bet that I'm pretty sure they're going to be doing what they said they're going to be doing. Suffice it to say, eight months in, when I finally said to her, so I need to see something here because it's pretty upsetting how we've not launched a single founding exchange in any city. Do you know what she said? She didn't say anything. She burst into tears. Then she continued on with how guilty she felt. It was so terrible that she didn't do a thing. She kept planning on it. Every single one of our calls would be so inspiring to her. She'd hang up with me and she'd lose her drive. Now we can talk for hours about all of the issues that lie underneath that statement. Maybe they were all about her self-worth. Maybe they were about her inability to do the things that she said she would do. Maybe they're about the fact that she didn't actually have any intent to improve anything. She just wanted a connection to the founding moms. I don't remember at this point and I don't care. She was not good at her job and it took me too long to uncover that fact. Mind you, even though she had told me that all of the members that she had brought over to the Founding Moms were excited about the partnership. They weren't. They were really upset with the transition. They liked their little local meetups out in Utah. They didn't want to be part of something bigger and more global. That wasn't their interest when they joined her organization. So let's talk about what you need to look out for when you're hiring someone. We're all very trusting of other human beings. And a fault that a lot of us entrepreneurs have is we bring people in because we like them. That should not be a fundamental requirement when you're hiring someone. In fact, the more you like them, the more you need to question whether they're going to do good work for you. A lot of us tend to hire people who are reflections of us. If you're one of those people who are creative types. You're scattered. You always constantly have ideas to build and do more, and you're not so organized. When you meet somebody who's just like you, you guys are going to hit it off. You're going to love that both of you are super creative. You always have a million ideas. You can accomplish a lot in one day. But that person working with you, not such a good idea. You need to look for someone who is not so much like you that they're going to repeat your patterns. There are two checklists that I'm going to recommend you make when you're going out and you're hiring. The first checklist is going to be made before you even meet the person. And it's going to be comprised of the W questions, the why, the when, the where. You're going to think about when you hire them, how often are they going to show you what they're producing, where you hire them. It matters. Are you hiring them in your local town and you get to check in on them? 
Are you hiring them virtually and they're really far away? Are they in a different time zone? You're going to want to figure out very clearly why are you hiring that person? Is it literally just to take work off your hands? Is it for them to produce something that you don't know how to produce? You're going to want to be very clear on these things because then when you meet with a potential person to hire, your view is not going to be skewed in regards to what you need. You're going to be extremely solid with a good foundation when you walk in the proverbial door to make sure that that person is the right hire. The second checklist is going to be a checklist you make when you do, in fact, decide to hire that person. When you hire that person, I'd recommend you come up with a checklist together and you make sure that they're on exactly the same page as you in writing. And I don't mean signing legal contracts that explain all of this in legalese. I mean a very simple checklist so that both of you know that no matter what happens, they're going to deliver you the deliverables they've come up with on Wednesday by 10 a.m. You're going to walk through it together and have it in writing so that any time the hire slips, you both can look to that piece of paper that is essentially an agreement. You can both sign it and make it legal. But it's going to keep you on track in a way that you otherwise might lose yourself. Because as the founder of a company, you've got a lot going on. I do hope that in the future, you know two things. Number one, no one's good at hiring. It's really hard to do because you have to know yourself deeply. You have to know your business's needs deeply. And you need to know the other person deeply to truly get the most benefit out of it. And who has time? And I also hope that you know that when you're going into this, don't make the same mistake that I did and hire somebody that you really like who says a lot and does a little. You might end up hiring a version of that person, but you sure are going to be aware of those mistakes much sooner having listened to this episode. You don't call. You don't write. Do both. I want to hear your hiring stories or blunders. Call or text me at 708-872-7878 or go to jillsalzman.com slash podcast to record a message that I can answer in a future episode. Shout out to Amanda, Lindsay, and Aaron for making this podcast with me. And thanks to you for listening. See you next week. 